It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and I was there when Bruce Pritchard's teeth went flying out of his mouth during a meeting. Saw it with my own eyes. I'm Tommy Rico, and I was there on July 4th, 2002, when at the Boston Fleet Center, Edge teamed up with Hulk Hogan to win the Tag Team Championship on SmackDown, the one and only time I ever cheered for the Hulkster. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and I was there when Becky announced she was going to be a mom. Ah, that was pretty cool. cool. Tom, I was there too, man. That's before we knew each other. Nice. Small world. Unbelievable. But you know what? That's what we're going to try to do today uh, during a really tough time in the wrestling world. Let's call it what it is. Uh, We're going to give you some stuff to laugh and feel good about. And first, it's the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So, Bianca Belair versus Carmella. So, boy, Carmella keeps getting her chances, man. (laughs) It's the disrespect. It's just <laughs> the disrespect of putting a dominant champion like Bianca in, first of all, a seven minute premium live event match, followed by an over eight minute count out loss to Carmella. Like what what did Bianca do to deserve this? Becky Lynch has a point. Be- yeah. In everything, yeah. all of her pro, I'm like, Becky Lynch kind of has a point, guys. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what Bianca did. She happened to be there when they let... Uh, Sasha and Naomi walk out. That's what she did. Yep. So now we got. Do you remember? Uh, he was in the Last Dance documentary. Do you remember Scott Burrell, the NBA player, Tom? You remember oh, that yeah. guy? Yeah, I remember. That's kind of who like Carmella reminds me of. Because I remember back in the day, I remember like because he was a UConn guy. So everyone knew him. Was like, oh, that's Scott Burrell. And he gets it on with the right team. Oh, he's gonna light him up. And then cut. You know, fast forward two decades later in the Last Dance, it's just Michael Jordan yelling at Scott Burrell. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why aren't you better? And it's like. With Carmella, Julie, I don't know about how, how much you feel comfortable saying, but I know when I was there, that was an up and down relationship between Vince and Carmella. Like that was very, it was week to week whether or not we could pitch. Carmella. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah. She was on SmackDown when I was there, okay. so I didn't. I didn't get to work with her. I had a, a one time. They uh, no, no, don't bother. Nothing, please, don't bother pitching oh, wow. anything at all for Carmella. Really? Uh, followed by. The next week, goddamn! Why not? Why don't we use Carmella? So, yeah, well, John, sort of independent of that, uh, the only thing I've ever heard about Carmella backstage is that she's a squeaky wheel, and we all know what a squeaky wheel gets. And so, the, apparently, that seems to work for her. Um, the thing about her is, uh, Carmella's not; she's not particularly bad at anything. No, she's, she's a not, good she's performer. Like, she's a decent worker. She's not terrible on the microphone. She's got a good look. I think but she's the good problem the is there's no X factor. She's just another person. And she <sighs> keeps getting also, way more than that. Also, but I think, X, it feels so diva. Yeah, I she's thought like she was great Marie. with our truth. When she was with Truth during 24 7, that was great. I mean, that was. That like, did work. Like, that's one of those things where when, tr- when Truth, he's going, isn't it amazing that Truth, he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame? That's, isn't that awesome? He's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. And I mean, he's got to. Like, I mean, I don't, do we agree that he's got to be a Hall of Famer someday? He Our made Carmella now? interesting, so yes. Absolutely. I hope she Just on him. that alone. <laughs> Come on. She was good. No, man. She was good with him. She was great in the segments. She brought a lot of energy, and she knew how to play. I mean, I, mean, um, I think all of us took a turn at one point working with uh, Mr. Killings. Uh, I had to think one with him, and then I met him afterwards. I met him at a show, and he was just cool. We just talked about it. Uh, but... You don't know what he's going to do. Like, we all know that. Like, it's all just like, here's the rough thing. 
and he'll do the really funny parts that he likes, but then the rest of it's just him adding it, making it. He's Dana Carvey, you know, like, like I'm just going to take this and blow it up. He makes it better. Yeah, I he agree. does. Agree. So you both, you both think that last night, everything that he did was on the fly or like at least he, he maybe may have outlined it and then just went and did it. I think he probably got in all the funny lines, the funny beats that he because he art. He's a he's a brilliant guy in terms of knowing what's funny and what will work. And I think he probably got in all his beats. There's like, all right, these are all work. And he just he's from what I've ever from what I've heard from people. He's good with writers. And he's probably just like, yeah, OK, I'll do this. And then probably got in there and was like, you know, like when actors do a second take on something like in the, the you know, when they do like do it all. Like if you know for like like a live action sitcom and stuff, and they'll just keep doing jokes, and I think that it seemed that like that's what he did. Although I will say that that was such an involved segment, and we'll get we'll get to it in a bit. But um, I think he did a really good job last night. For, it seemed like they had to have certain things get hit, and he hit them all, but in a very funny way. I agree. Um, but I will say that I think with Carmela, um, I agree. I think she's from a different era. It's very diva ish, but I think that was the point. The problem is. Um, you know, when two of your top stars walk out and, or you just let them walk out, whoever you believe, um, then two things happen. You don't look that much different because there's no, who are you being compared to? You know what I'm saying? Like without other people around to make you look a certain way, the character won't pop as much. And secondly, I think she's, she being Carmela has been put in a lot of these matches that I can't imagine we're in the long-term planning. I think she was meant to be like a, uh, over on SmackDown. I don't like these. <laughs> I don't like the maximum male models. I'm going to say that feels like way to go out on a limb, John, uh, <laughs> you yeah. and every, uh, everyone else in the world. <laughs> so, so much that like all those like false starts, I wondered if people were like, let's not do this. Like, let's, let's still not do this. Like they, there was this faction around SmackDown for people who haven't watched SmackDown, uh, and uh, it's Maximum Male Models. And they did like what four fake debuts where the guy was just like, "I don't want to do it now." Dupree was just like, "No, I'm not doing." It. And I'm like, "I wonder if Creative was like, let's not do this yet." And uh, but anyway, I well, um, and the former Max Dupree, the, the Max Dupree, the former LA Knight, is both good in the ring. And a good talker. He looks like a million dollars. And the first thing they do, they bring him up to SmackDown from NXT. And they're like, here's a suit. Here's a new name. Go bring out some models. What? Well, it's like that old story that Pritchard talks about where Vince is all excited about Earthquake. John, Yeah, the Earthquake promo. We got this big guy from Canada. He's a monster. He's big and he's he's agile. And he's good on the mic. He can talk. He can scare the pets off you. It's like, who are we going to put him with? Jimmy Hart. The, the manager with a megaphone who doesn't stop. So he's not going to talk. No, yes, he's ever. so good at talking. He won't talk. People should have known then, I would say. <laughs> like, and they probably did. Um, but anyway, I, I think I'll say this. I think Carmel is. It, it, yeah, it was weird. I think that the she and Corey were taking a lot of heat because of what they were trying to do. But again, I think that that was what they were going for. I think they were trying to make them like an attitude era couple, that weird YouTube show, but it got really bad reviews, I guess. And they took it down or whatever. I see Julie laughing very hard. <laughs> I'm going to call you out. Yeah, it was not great. Uh, trying I didn't bury hard. graves last week for some, he made a real botch on the mic and it was like, he, it was him trying to be funny. And it, uh, it, well, so there's it your was first thing. with uh, Bobby Lashley. So Bobby Lashley's in the well, ring. Julie almost did a spit tag. Yeah. One, and everybody. Instead of murdering his opponent, he did something like kinder. And Graves went and said that Lashley was showing his maternal side. And like, Corey, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> for real. I mean, come on. Well, the odd That's thing the best is Corey Graves. But he's the, the Julie, I don't know what your experience is. Mine were, I think, twice with him. And both times he was fine. He was cool to deal with. I thought he was, he struck me as a dude that like, yeah, I bet once a day this guy steps in shit and says something that everyone in the room goes, God damn. But like he would come and watch the pre-tapes. He would come watch Funhouse. He would come and watch, uh, he would help. He, would, he worked with like, he, he like everyone else tried, worked with Baron Corbin and you know, he tried to do what he could. Okay. He um, deserves the hall of fame then as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I just think that they were. He seems a like thing. a really Here, hard worker. I'm going to give you an analogy, and it's an inappropriate analogy. It's not PG, but I'm not going to name names. When I was in high school, okay, there were two couples. 
And uh, this is like senior year of high school. And two people I knew, they were both on the baseball team. And they each had girlfriends who were very close friends. And I will just say that over a long weekend, a certain contest went on between the couples for bragging rights uh, the following day. Mm-hmm. This is New Hampshire, senior, seniors in high school. And uh, surprise, about like three days after all that, both couples broke up. And I kind of feel <laughs> it's like, I think they were like, what the fuck are we doing? But um, yeah, Corey and uh, Carmela, it feels like that. And uh, man, I know they're a real life couple and people like them. And I hope they know when to say, and I, I hope now more than ever, when someone says, yeah, I don't want to do a sex angle as much anymore. Yeah. Um, don't. Just be a normal couple. In fact, um, shout out to Becky Lynch, who was pitched to be involved in a fiend attack when uh, the fiend was feuding with Seth Rollins. And it was a really elaborate, creative pitch. But Becky just said, I don't want our real life to bleed onto the screen like that. And I think there's of, a danger in that situation of becoming the I'm wife, saying. of yeah. being labeled as the character, the wife. And, and I, so this thing they're doing with Corey and Carmela, I get they're a real life couple. So it's quote unquote, okay. But man, you're putting your life out there in front of everybody. And I, that what I'm trying to say is when that quote gets around the high school, not good for anybody. Not good. Well, so, and do, when you guys were there, Carmela was in a different spot in her career. Was she getting a crowd reaction? Because like last night you could hear when she came out, you could hear the silence from the Alamo to, to Tim Duncan's house. Like it was deafening for in Bianca there. and no for Mella. Oh, for Mella. And so, so when no, you she were was there getting for, reaction still in, in 19, it's yeah. not happening anymore. Something happened. And maybe it's the show with Corey. Maybe it's something else, but she is getting crickets when she comes out overexposure. And also there's also this thing. I think when they really buried her last year, it was, it was the decoy appoint, uh, opponent at SummerSlam. Anytime you do that, somebody look at remember when they did that to uh, Elias versus John Cena when he was the guy instead of the undertaker at WrestleMania, then the undertaker, anytime you're a decoy opponent done, like anytime away you're beat and switch. Yeah. Go away. Heat. And it's, I feel like that's what happened there. Um, uh, on commentary, Corey Graves last night. It, and again, tying himself to Carmela in this said, uh, he said, you can't skinny dip in the river walk. Cause they were in San yeah, Antonio, by the that. way, props to San Antonio. One of my favorite cities in the country, just a great place. My wife and I, we uh, first lived right. together in San Antonio. We got married in San Antonio. It's a great town full of nice people, fantastic food. Spent two very nice years there. Uh, Corey Gray's own commentary right said, now, Yeah, well, yeah. It's, but San Antonio is a really unique city. It's very, I'm from Boston and it's very similar. It's kind of a sister city in Texas to Boston because it's really old, it's mm. very historic. And there's a lot of eccentricities. To, it's a hard drinking town, so that they have that in common. But yeah. uh, San Antonio is a great place. And, he, and Corey Graves said, you can't skinny dip in the Riverwalk. Uh, and the Riverwalk in San Antonio was formerly an open sewer. Uh, did and they is say, now did full he say of, that or did they say that to him? He said that. Yeah, he, no, he said it because it was like, he, he, I think he was talking about a celebration with Carmela. And he said, but you can't skinny dip in the river. Man, it's a good thing no one told Vince because yeah. someone would have been swimming in shit last night. <laughs> well, you know it, it's not an open sewer anymore, mm, but it is for JR to come back and swim in the shit. <laughs> the um, river walk is now full of Gatorade green water. So uh, go for it, Corey, if you really want. Mm, get Otis to drink some of the water and puke. <laughs> I have half a dozen allegations. Um, so anyway, um, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Becky. Becky is just always going to come down on commentary. And um, I, that is one character. I'm, I don't mind that particular person walking out a lot onto the WWE programming. I think oh, that because she's the best funny. person. Yeah. She's the best person on the show. <laughs> best wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking. She almost, love... I think she almost hosted Saturday night live. Did she, did that she come really? up at all when you were there, Julie? No, my she was God, in the running that would be awesome. for 1920, I believe. Yeah. There, and I, it's made sense to everybody. And then, like you said, I think she, she, she had the baby, but I think Becky's good. And it's, I will say this is that the lead, I mean, Julia have an improv background. The leads, the lead-ins she's been given are not always great, but man, she makes it work. 
she like does. Like the give Always. me a suggestion. Like the 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 feet the lines that they feed her, you know, to feed her are just awful in it. But like she makes it funnier, and she, she'll turn it around, and it'll be like, I bet you that you'll need another cup of coffee then, right, Becky? And she'll say something like, "You're damn right, I'll drink all I'll drink all the coffee there is." And it's like, oh, I'm convinced by this. But like, I want to see her like show up. It's just you know, I don't. It's gonna be interesting. Really interesting with WWE right now to see what kind of cross promotion happens. Mm. Um, now, Riddle appeared on a certain late night show a few weeks ago. Do we think that sort of arrangement would happen now after the most recent Vince Oof. McMahon allegations? Or is everyone going to run from WWE until he's out? Because I think he's got to be out. There's no other way. It's going to or it's going to take a couple of years and they don't have a couple of years. I don't know. It can't WWE be like Louis and, and NBC and stand up. WWE and NBC still have that big deal together, and it, despite yeah. the I mean, despite the controversy and despite what should happen, NBC is not going to walk away from that deal uh, until um, it's until it's not. It seems like anymore. John Cena walked away from something. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That we'll that's, that that was. I really thought John Cena when when he came on the show was like, wow, he's going to be at SummerSlam and. Yeah, so, he's using peacemakers to say he can't do it. But I was like, why? Why show up no, in Laredo, so, Texas? So what? What you know? I think so. For people who aren't familiar, because there's been way too much news outside of the ring, um, is that uh, on Friday night, Vince McMahon's jet. I like. There's a jet. Isn't that crazy? There's a jet tracker for like billionaires. Like that's the one thing that I. It's like kind of funny. It's like you get mad at billionaires, but also like. It must be that everyone knows where the hell you are in your plane. As a normal person, I wouldn't really want that. But anyway, somehow. Elon Musk doesn't. That's why he wanted to buy Twitter. That's right. Um, (laughs) And that went great. Um, (laughs) As I said to everybody, uh, that's, that's, let's see, we got Trump, Elon Musk, and Alec Baldwin. So that's three recent Saturday Night Live hosts that might be going to prison. Oof. Live from Rikers. It's uh so anyway, um but Vince McMahon's jet flew up to Vancouver and people confirmed that it was to there was no denial from WWE, it was to meet with John Cena, who's up there uh shooting a show, and from the sounds of it, John said, uh yeah, uh he I <laughs> do you think just for the satisfaction of it, John looked at him and just said, You won't see me. <laughs> That's what I want to like. Is it? Do you go for it, or is it like it's just not the time? Like, <laughs> I I wouldn't go for it, but you know, it's he's thinking it. And or if Vince or, or he, probably, he didn't say a word and he just waved his hand in front of his face. Yeah, and walked walked, away. oh god, how great would that be? Vince meets him at like the Admirals Club of the. <laughs> John's sitting down wearing a jacket and suit. He stands up. He's wearing jorts and does the "You can't see me" walks <laughs> <Locks> away. <laughs> Oh shoot! And then, yeah. and then you know Bruce was probably there. Well, no, Bruce is recovering from cerebral sleep. Still, we know he's probably <laughs> Bruce is probably back at work with his arm in a sling. Bruce is so producing Bruce is four there. shows right now. So Cena does that thing and walks away. And then after twenty years, I bet Vince turned to whoever he's with. And goes, the fuck does that mean? We <laughs> <laughs> have a bug on his face. The fuck was that? God damn, he's wearing jorts. When the fuck did that shit happen? Uh, why I don't wear pants at all. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, John Cena bailing, and there's even some, some scuttlebutt on the internet that uh, The Rock is maybe sending signals that, yeah, maybe I don't want to do WrestleMania next year. Too so. hot to handle, too cold to hold, baby. That's what WWE uh, is right now. Sean if, you're not, if you're not there and you don't have to be, why would you go? John yeah. Rassap, um, Fightful, as our friend Kev calls him, uh, Millennial Meltzer. <laughs> Which, by the uh, way, great Twitter follower. One of the best. Yeah, you wanted to say something about this. Go. Do you have something? You, well, we'll get to it. We have some Twitter followers yeah, in a second. Sure. But I'll say it. Sean Ross Sapp, he was the one I believe that reported on The Rock. I was like, listened to him on Saturday and said that, uh, so, you know, pretty much all, it's all but done that he's not showing up. And then Dwayne's not really returning calls. And boy, we talked about this, too, which is you got Young Rock on NBC in which Vince McMahon is a central character. Whew, might be some reshoots there. Might be some rewrites, but you could also fix it with VO where he says something and then Dwayne just goes, oh, this was then. 
I'm going to reiterate, this was back then. <laughs> and comes in later and says, not a good guy. He's a bad guy. Just kind of maybe bring Ron Howard in, just do some arrested development. <laughs> but Vince was a pervert. Um, so it <laughs> comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. Anywhere else you want to see Becky show up on commentary? I'd love to see her at the Masters just yelling oh at the golfers. Oh, my gosh. What's the next Scotland golf thing? I'm not a golf person. I want to see her show up there. That's her name. Because she'd be over there. People would be cheering her, yelling at all the people. Oh, absolutely. I'd love that to see sense. her at UFC, like putting her, uh, <gasps> disarm her over and just trashing all the other competitors. Yeah. I want to see her at the Westminster Dog Show. I think she would crush. <laughs> she at, would crush. The, look at this bitch. I mean it. She's a bitch. <laughs> Be fantastic. I'd, I'd watch. Hey, man, we're thinking of new ways to present media. I'd watch this. Um, okay. Oh, I forgot to give a shout out to, I think of all people, Byron Saxton had a really funny line last week where uh, Becky was in the garbage can. In the uh, the street fight against Asuka and Asuka, it was really funny. People want to go find it. And Becky's standing up with a garbage can on her. And she's like waddling around trying to get out of the garbage can. And Asuka starts kicking her in the can. And Byron calls her Asuka the Grouch. And I was like, yes. Beautiful. There it is. Beautiful. <laughs> By the way, as a lapsed WWE fan at certain points in my life, I had no idea Byron Saxton was originally a competitor. He was originally a wrestler and is that's why he's jacked to the gills. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Takes yeah. a hell of a stunner, too. Yeah, that's he can take a bump really yep. great. Yeah. That's uh, why uh, that's, I heard having that him the at the desk is great. Did you hear that too, Julia? Mania that he was got it? in. Yeah, I heard that was like a last minute. I heard that Steve motioned to him like, oh, really? Yeah, because oh. he took it. Remember when you guys were in the PC? He yeah. took just a crazy good stunner bump. Yeah, that he was did. a good he one. Yeah, I remember shit. that like, for the first time yeah. you've done that. And everyone was like, it was like everyone was watching it. Like online, they were like, God, let's like, is there a new way to take it that's like better? And he fucking did it again. He was like better than The Rock taking the stunner. That was the weirdest segment ever. I heard that. And you could see if you watch the replay, you could see Jimmy and um, Corey looking over, laughing, like try, like looking over, like, where did that one? Because Byron's not typically one for the great, he's not typically a Heenan liner, but he got that one in. Tommy, you sent around. Uh, Oscar and Becky in the ring, I guess during a house event. It was yeah. just a, it was just, and it was so funny. Oh, and I love watching the two of them live together. Live event. Live event. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. premium live event. Just a live event. Just a live event. Just a live event. <laughs> um, and house event is, you know, right? <laughs> you know, Oscar and Becky. You said house again. Call it up. They're, they're not house shows. They are live events. God damn it. I'm going to call Ralph as soon as we're done here. Then I'm going to call Jeff and I'm going to say, you won't believe this shit I just had to put up with. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, unprofessional. Really unprofessional. I was the problem at WWE. Correct. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing there's a lot of list of band words now in the office. <laughs> <laughs> allegations. <laughs> yes, you cannot. Accusations. You have to say allegations. Um, but yeah, they've been great. But Asuka, this is an interesting mix. Asuka and uh, Alexa mm. teaming up. Feels like they're trying out some different things with Asuka and props to her because she's giving people the rub. And like, you know, I, I, uh, I thought Alexa needed this. That Alexa Bliss was a, 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 a woman without a country. And uh, this match got some good reviews last night. Uh, it was Alexa and Asuka versus uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. This was well, cut from the Hulu we're show. Still doing Nikki A.S.H. guys, still happening. Well, Julie, so last night the uh, commentary team, in their subtle storytelling way, uh, they were selling that Alexa hasn't been the same since her therapy segments. And by the way, neither is anyone who produced or wrote those segments. But um, neither is anyone who's been to a good therapist. What the <laughs> fuck is that all about? It was the first acknowledgement of Alexa's new attitude, which remember mm. a few weeks ago, I was burying her for it, but apparently it's a storyline that she's more lackadaisical in the ring. But mm. I, again, this is one of those storylines where it's like, ah, oh, this better be great or else it's just another piece of shit. Like it's, it, it, I don't know if this can go over well because this is the first mention they've had of it. But meanwhile, she's been selling a lazier attitude for like six weeks now. Yeah. So, it, it, a little too little too late. 
I don't know yeah, where it's going. Been, where does that go? Where what, can it what, go? Is she hypnotized? Is she? <laughs> you remember Sean O'Hare? <laughs> hypnotized. The, the, the late Sean. O, the late Sean O'Hare. He was a WWE superstar uh, in the early 2000s, and I thought I had a great gimmick. He was like a devil's advocate. Uh, Tony, what's that guy? Tony Robbins kind of guy. Well, and and by the way, uh, O'Hare had all the tools. Huge guy, but then they super muscular, Hogan, and good on the mic. Hogan, and they paired him with Pike. It just they they washed away the gimmick. But um, this would have been a good spot for someone like that to debut as like the therapist and kind of be like a evil therapist, which is not really a character. I think the problem with that this now this is something that for real is that. That's interesting, all things considered. Again, very strange guy. We've made that very, very clear. Uh, But Vince, in meetings, because I was, again, when I was there, it was right when uh, everyone wanted to pitch on The Fiend. And he was on both shows, because it was two characters. So we'd do Firefly on one, we'd do The Fiend on the other. And um, mental... So two things, interestingly, with Vince that I noticed, that he would immediately nix and get very sensitive about. Guns. You didn't pitch anything that had to do with guns. Well, yeah, that was a way I to get learned, fired. Yeah, like, learned your lesson on that one. Someone, mm-hmm. someone pitched soft pitch something that just had the word gun, and he got mad. Not me, um, but someone who I know meant nothing by it. And then the thing that I was in one of those late night meetings for that really surprised me was he was very aggressively protective of the issue of mental health, which I know. Again, I'm being serious here. This is a guy who is in the news for all these crazy things. But there was language in there referring to Bray's character, and Vince went batshit. Because his thing was, people come to watch this as an escape. People come to watch this probably because they... And he frankly said, it, they like, like me, they probably have mental health issues. This is their you know soap opera or whatever. I wonder if that's why. And that's why I'm surprised to see them doing a therapy psychiatry angle possibly of Alexa Bliss because as we saw with Sean O'Hara that was a great gimmick and that after about two weeks that was done they just and they the only time they ever did it they did a therapy angle was with team hell no Daniel Bryan and Kane mm-hmm. and uh, the great Brian Gortz who's now uh, I believe Brian wrote those who's now uh, has, a, has a new book coming out uh, it's called uh, uh, there's just one thing um, it's about his his experiences writing for WWE he now runs a uh, production for Rock's production company and it runs Young Rock. Great on Twitter. Uh, and um, fair to say, sold that angle because Team Hell No wouldn't have been anything without those segments. He totally Dr. Shelby, right? That was yeah. his name. Yeah. Were, and he was they great. were well written, they were funny, and they put that team over big. But he was but yeah, they were baby faces. Including and the therapist was a goof, but he was a baby face. And so the, the whole point that was almost the turning point. That was like a PG era turning point where it's like they did a therapy psychosis angle in WWE. But what it was like it was like, this is good. You should go to therapy. And like, so that's why I'm seeing this Alexa Bliss stuff. And they're like, is she better or worse after therapy? I'm like, man, I don't know. And if you listen to our podcast or many, any other wrestling podcast, I mean, there's all sorts of mental wellness ads and everything. Yeah. I, I don't know that this is quite. Uh, yeah. You know, Tom, there may be something there. I don't know that I'm quite behind it. I no. don't know that I'm and, feeling. And by the way, to put in a, to put a button on this, if Vince is really concerned about people's mental health, his <laughs> presence is triggering and he should yes. acknowledge that and do Thank something you. about it. Thank you. Let's talk about, let's go right to that right now then, uh, since we're here. Um, more allegations. Oh, well, there's more word. allegations. Sorry. We all know about that and people can go look that up. Uh, I believe it was, again, it was the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And um, uh, the highest among them, there's, I think, one about $7 million payout and I'll let you go read what it's about. It's really terrible. Uh, the allegation, um, but pay someone seven million bucks. Um, you know, I mean, you know, here's the thing with Vince: when you spend, what is it now, Tom? Like thirty years after the steroid trial, talking about how good your lawyer is, Jerry McDivitt, yep. uh, who I believe was in Stan. I think I did very quickly see Jerry McDivitt one day. There was a day where it was like it was a quick hello, sort of like a hello to the team sort of thing. Someone popped their head in. Well, and, and, and also we've mentioned this before, but Jerry McDevitt is both Vince McMahon's personal attorney and WWE's corporate attorney, a gigantic conflict of interest. So, so but my point is when you, when you tell the world how you have the greatest attorney and I've, you know, we've all read about Jerry. He is, I mean, he's, his record is unbelievable. And what he discovered, I have a thunderstorm going on here. So if you guys lose me, 
You guys hear we that? We got to keep that in. <laughs> That's amazing. Edge is uh, running one of his vignettes right outside my window right now. <laughs> I think it's Bray. Oh, fuck. There's a flannel shirt. Oh, um, we did another one last night. We all know it's Edge. I know. Wouldn't it be crazy if it was Edge from you, too? Anyway, back to my thing. <laughs> um, so, Jerry McDivitt is. Uh, you, you tell everyone in the world he's the best lawyer. Ha ha. Fuck you. I have the best lawyer. And now we found out you, you paid seven million bucks in a settlement. Yeah, you seem pretty. That seems like a lot to pay when you have the best lawyer. I'm, I'm sorry. Am I, am I wrong? No. And and also there are so there are four new allegations. And when where, where there's four, there's 40. This is what we know about. The investigation is still ongoing. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And his presence backstage and all reports from backstage are saying that he's as involved as ever and really working hard to to produce these segments, it, it's so galling that he's still there. It's really well, depressing. The report, I think Sean Rassap talked about this. Give, we should, man, we should try to get him on. I'd love yeah. to talk to him. Agreed. Um, yeah, he is Millennial Meltzer, but we're, I'm a fucking millennial. So there we are. Um, but um, I think that uh, the story that got back and then was confirmed, I didn't even bother. Julie, I don't know if you did, because I was like, I fucking believe it. I'm not going to burn a favor on this one, but was that when Vince came backstage after his first post-scandal appearance, remember when he walked out on SmackDown, literally just to walk out to the ring and say, I'm, you know, I'm here? And we were like, oh, man, he just gave the finger. And then I guess as soon as he got back through the curtain, just yelled, fuck him, put his headset back on and kept producing. <laughs> now, here's the problem. We talked about, I have to be careful what I say here. Um... Because uh, Julie and I, each, we've worked a couple different places, and there's certain things you say, you sign, and uh, I'd like to maintain my health insurance for myself and my daughter. So, um, not WWE, but another place. Um, not where we work, but within the same company. Um, you know, there were some stories last year about maybe someone had reported to work ill, had gotten a lot of people sick on this show. Um, because of that, a lot of writers wound up quitting. A lot of cast members ended up leaving. Um, and so when we talk about the NBC WWE thing, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I think Fox might be the one. Everyone's talking about, you know, like they're going to be safe with Fox because of Fox News. No, I think Fox is the one that's going to be like, fuck you. Because SmackDown's been underperforming for a while anyway. And there's got to be something else you could put on, on Friday nights from, you know, 8 to 9, just whatever. You're against fucking Shark Tank, you know? And so... Um, yeah, unfortunately, when people say, can you believe this? I'm like, yeah, I've heard about it before. I've heard about people when you're in charge until you're in charge until you're not. You know what I'm saying? Um, we had a president who's been in the news quite a bit lately who uh, just from the sounds of it had to be wrestled out of the White House. Um, but anyway, that's the word on Vince. And um, then the, the even more troubling thing was that uh, the, the reports backstage were that Vince is acting like business as usual, and now so is everyone else. And that's when I was like, well, that sucks. Because now it's Stockholm Syndrome where people are just giving up. And the shows have felt very disjointed. Watching objectively, going in, um, the, the one piece of news that came out was that Stephanie McMahon held a talent meeting that was very well received. That was good to hear. Uh, but the performance for me has, it, the shows have been uneven. And, you know, what he keeps using is the fact that whenever he's involved, uh, the stocks improve. And that the executives like dealing with Vince. And, um, you know, it's just, and they like dealing with Bruce. Well, and, and though, it's, so, though it's a publicly traded company, uh, Vince owns the majority of the important stock. The stock that's available. 80%. Yeah. Did you know that? He's an 80%. Vote well, and that and the stock board. that's available to you, me, or anybody else who buys stock is not. There's no consequence to it. Like you have no sway at all. So there's like Vince, eighty percent, and then there's a handful oh, he, of people that are also he, on the board, and then everyone else who owns, owns WWE stock, fuck them. Apparently, and yeah, and do you know this that like also Vince put the board together. He picked everyone that's on that board. Yeah, and so. And, and I don't know about the stock, but he has 80%. His vote counts for 80% of the board. So let's think about this. He picked all the people. 
which means he could also get he could do a Saturday night massacre like Richard Nixon did and get rid of the people before they get to vote him out. And he's still got he's fucking Putin. This isn't like he's he's Emperor Palpatine. He is the Senate and he's going to call out Order 66. And when he gets backstage and yells, fuck him, that to me, I mean, yeah, that's it's like I can't even believe like Julie and I were texting. We're like. There was a brief second where we were like, man, maybe, maybe he might like step. And it's like, I feel like an idiot for even considering that he might, he might gracefully go. No, nope. like, fuck no. And it's just anyway, uh, lighter side of thing. Cause that's where we were trying to keep it. Our truth who, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say a future WWE hall of famer. Can we call him? He's a hall of famer. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, just on longevity alone. I mean, longevity, he's been there he made the 24-7 thing work when it probably shouldn't have. He's done, he's done that about 100 times now. And is he the funniest wrestler in WWE history? Mm. The Rock is... Yeah. But The, the Rock, Rock was... The Rock had Brian helping him. That's the Rock true. had Brian Gwert's helping him. That's true. The I Rock mean, a lot, a lot of The Rock stuff Tommy hasn't aged well. That's, I mean, yes, it has not aged well. That's Truth, right. we've seen in the moment, is just fucking hilarious. He is. Well, last, so last night's segment could have absolutely, and you could hear it in the crowd. The crowd was tired. The crowd yeah. wasn't really buying into the segment. Yeah. And that totally could have gone off the rails. And somehow Truth kept it on the rails and got them back because they, they were fading. The, like the beginning of that promo, you had the Usos and the Street Profits. And then Truth comes in, and he's going to try to mediate. He's going to try to be a tag team counselor. And then all of a sudden, he's a referee. And <laughs> he's a referee, th- There's yeah. all this crazy stuff, but the crowd was really kind of tuning out. Because it's like, oh, this is a comedy segment. He saved and the fucking day. He totally did. He oh, kept that segment from Truth going is the guy completely you put on shit. The of, he's a guy that you, you text when you know, there's a bad uh, showcase stand-up show. And you go, dude, are you in the neighborhood? And you put him out in the middle to, get, to win everyone back. Where do you want to see our Truth referee? That's my question. We Ooh. already talked about where we want Becky to commentate. Where's our truth going to jump? I'd like to see him in a hockey game. I'd like to oh, see him God. on skates being a referee. <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah. Cricket. Uh, <laughs> Cricket. I, I'm going to go outside of sports. I want to see him as a federal air marshal. I want to oh. see him on like an airplane where some idiot gets up and starts yelling about wearing a mask and see our truth wearing eight masks, which you know he would. <laughs> He'd make it funny. And somehow you'd still hear him. I want to see him. I want to see you get back to your seat. Just scream at them and get the airline wrong. Tell them they can have peanuts. Even though have the whole, the whole plane, plane uh, chanting, what's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pilot. Uh, this is your pilot speaking. Uh, what's up? <laughs> uh, what's up? Um, that's I, where I want to see truth. Why hasn't our uh, truth created a LinkedIn uh, profile. That's really what I need a list of all of the jobs that our yes. truth oh has had God. in the Why past. Why haven't they done that? They You're should like 10 pages long. Right. Just, I want to see the resume. I want to see on LinkedIn. I want him doing Julie, courses on LinkedIn. Phone. I wish you had a bat phone to Stephanie's office. To call well, just some, ideas. some small ideas. Last <laughs> night, truth, truth said that he was a marriage counselor and a divorce attorney. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So <laughs> great. My favorite one. And, it feeds and into the business. He was a constable it's, to yeah. conserve your paper. Yes, he was an all-in-one. Perfect. He would take you from point A to point, point Z of divorce. Well, uh, if, if you guys want to see Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown, well, you know what nights they're on. And uh, hopefully the right decision <laughs> will be made soon. We're skeptical, but when that happens, we'll, we'll plug them again more officially. That's been our Raw Recap. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox onabotulinum toxin A prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, 
myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, so Tom, uh... Last week you talked about this. You talked about Orange Cassidy. Over yeah, let's talk about Ryan Gosling. Yes, um, he does look like Ryan Gosling. And then I said, man, wouldn't it be something if, I think I said, right? Or that, but I talked about Dan Housen and you and I were like, oh yeah, those two guys. And then what happened? Take us through what happened over in AEW. We, we had an Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen team up. Oh. Um, but for, by the way, first, shout out to all the buckleheads out there. Uh, last week, I got the most volume of PMs and DMs and public posts about that segment about Orange Cassidy. And I, I would like to say to everyone who was supportive, which, by the way, was the overwhelming amount of people that contacted me. They liked the segment and they love Orange Cassidy. And then there were a handful of people that were really adamant that I uh, didn't know what I was talking about and that there are other people in AEW that deserve a push harder than Cassidy. But you're proving my point. He's very, very polarizing. And the best characters are always polarizing. You need a handful of people to not like them. Uh, but everybody was very passionate in their, uh, in their opinions. And I appreciate that. Please feel free to contact us and talk to us about what's going on in the world of wrestling. We would love that. I... Uh, I thought it worked, though, because I love Dan Hazen, but I, I'm, I'm, Tom, I'm one of those people that I resisted the urge all weekend to text you and be like, what, what's your deal, man? Orange Cassidy is like my second favorite orange guy in the world. Uh, yeah, uh, no, but Cass, like, I'm not Cassidy's an Cassidy guy, but I love Dan Hazen. Well, and so and I, and I am kind of on the opposite side of that. Uh, I am a huge Cassidy fan. And I like Dan Housen. Dan Housen is now winning me over because he's so good. By the way, I should be born a Dan Housen fan. I'm Do you a know huge who he based his persona on? On Svenguli? Conan. Conan O'Brien. Oh, I was going to say know when Conan, Conan does the Vincent Price, like, oh, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Dan Housen's, and he was on Conan's podcast. Dan Housen is, that. he's just funny. He's just, he just gets it. He's got a funny voice. He's, he's so smart. funny on Twitter. He's quick. At yeah. Dan Housen. He's just... But I love that he puts how like I'm at the Waffle Housing and he always tweets at CM Punk, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a shoot like that's for real. Like that's literally him being like, I got you a tea. He went, did you see that one when he went to start? So CM Punk is a famous coffee lover. That's his vice. He's straight edge, but drinks a ton of coffee. So <laughs> he, Dan Housen finally got CM Punk to agree to go to Starbucks with him. And Dan Housen ordered him a tea. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's just funny, man. That's great. <laughs> That's real. Well, and, and the thing about Dan Housen is that he is, he's good in the ring. And I was terrified for a second because, again, I'm a huge Cassidy mark. And I want to see Cassidy take a step forward, which it looks like he's going to. We'll talk about yeah. the match that he was in on Rampage, which was maybe my favorite match watch of the last six months on, te- on free television. It was so good with Tony Nese. Um, we had, uh, uh, the team up and I was terrified because comedy plus comedy usually equals anti-comedy. <laughs> it's too True. much. Rod, there's what? a very famous clip, Rodney Dangerfield and David Letterman. And in fact, Paul Heyman and I, we, he's a, a, also a Letterman nerd. And I, I've talked about this before that yep. sometimes after work, when we <laughs> were supposed to be writing and Julie, you know this, that it would just be like a charade and then Paul would figure everything out at the last minute. So, but I would hang out and we would just watch Letterman clips sometimes. And there's this famous one. And Tom, you've seen this too, I think, right? Where Rodney's Rodney Dangerfield's on with David Letterman. But then they realize like 30 seconds in, they got, they each have the same shtick. It's each how no, no one likes them like they should. 
and boy, it's tough out there. <laughs> they're just yep. doing, but the their rhythms are different, and, and, and they never jibed. No. But that, see, now this is where Danhausen and Cassidy worked: is that their opposite energy. They're two very different types of comedy character. Very. So what they did on Dynamite to sell the match was they had um, Mark Sterling, who, by the way, I want to give a huge shout out to Mark Sterling, a great heel manager in 2022. He's a very Heenan-esque manager. He's a, a lawyer character. And so he was representing Tony Nese, who uh, formerly of NXT, now in AEW. Guys, total package. Guy's a great yep. wrestler. Got a great yeah, that's look. that's why they got rid of him. Yeah. So now he's in Too AEW. Good. And he de- he debuts in a hot angle now. So they had him approach Cassidy for a match, and uh, since Cassidy and Cassidy said, "Well, I don't I don't sign any contracts without consulting my lawyer," and his lawyer was Danhausen. <laughs> <laughs> so and Dan then Dan, he's been on Twitter. He's been. Have you seen him tweeting at people that like uh, if you need? He had like a lawyer ad. Did you see that? Did he put that yep. up on Twitter? He's like. You need to call the 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 office housing of Danhausen. <laughs> well, and and this was a quick segment. It was funny and fast, and they so got good. out of it at the right time. They didn't drag it on too long. And so Dynamite, which is a live show, sometimes yeah. can get a little draggy. But that segment, I don't know whether it was pre-produced or shot live, but it looked like it was pre-produced and it came off great. And then so Rampage, which is a taped show, and Rampage tapes after Dynamite. So mm-hmm. you had a crowd that had watched two hours of Dynamite, probably a handful of dark matches, and now they have Rampage. Rampage has struggled because usually the crowd is just gassed. They're dead because they've seen a lot of wrestling at that point. But, but not just closing, any kind of wrestling. I mean, AEW is it, wrestling is far more intense than WWE. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, crazy we'll, shit we'll touch on that because we got, we got a to-do list for Tony Khan. We have okay. a little to-do oh, yeah. list. Yeah, but so I'll just for anyone who doesn't know, they're the ones that had the guy that took out a, a pizza cutter to start going at someone's head right when there was a Domino's ad running on the bottom of the screen. So that's AEW. <laughs> yep. But so we had gut, they literally are the blood and guts promotion, right? That's Tony Khan's. They are, they're not. They guts. don't run from it. And they named a they named a pay-per-view after it. So. Yep. But so we had uh, Mark Henry, who is the world's strongest man. And uh, I still love Mark Henry. One of the best of all Very time. Sweet Hall guy. Of Famer. Very nice person. He always introduces the main event on uh, AEW Rampage. And when he he hit that, it's time for the main event. The crowd went crazy. And there was just great energy for both guys. Nice came out with uh, Sterling. And then you have Orange Cassidy coming out with Dan Housen. And there was so much fun on the inside and the outside of that ring. And that crowd, who were dragging a little bit at that point because they'd already seen a bunch of spot fests, and they'd seen some uh, some really ha- hard hitting with uh, Eddie Kingston already. So they were they were on the ropes. They came alive for that match, and that match was great. And by the way, Orange Cassidy maybe 170 pounds, maybe. I, I, I'm I'm being generous. Really wrestled Tony Nice, who Tony's about 220, 225. Just and 170. It, you think that's it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let, yeah. So how tall he is hit him? How tall is Cassidy? Five. 10, 5, really? 9. Oh, yeah, he's short. So okay. he hit Tony Nese with a Michinoku driver, which is a super hard move to do, and it takes a ton of strength to do. And that's the thing is that Cassidy can bust out these moves as a little guy, and he's so good at, like, he just hits everybody with a little extra mustard. All his offense looks great. He throws the best Superman punch in the business with the orange punch, and that match went back and forth and you had the fun of Sterling and Danhausen and then you had a tease curse so Danhausen he'll point at you <laughs> and that's a curse and so the gimmick yeah, on that you is don't want Dan to point you get you. the curse and then something bad immediately happens to you he almost <laughs> cursed Sterling but was interrupted and then finally punched Sterling in the dick at the end of the match <laughs> so that was the that was the bad thing and then cursed Tony Nice who then turned around and got nailed with an orange punch for the big win from Orange Cassidy. That match was so fun. I invite everyone who hasn't seen it, please go watch it. So Tom, much fun. How, how old is uh, your son, Tom, these days? He is eight years old and watched the match with me and loved it. And he's a WWE guy. But like his dad, he loves WWE's production values and is not digging the product lately. I'm going to say, I think the money, the, the Vegas odds for... for uh, 
Zozo's Halloween costume, Dan Housen. I'm going to call it right now. He did like Dan Housen. Yeah, at I first, think it's going to happen. That's his he dude. He also That's was not sold on Dan Housen at first, but was laughing during the match because he's hilarious. He's so funny, and I got to tell everybody to follow it. And it's like, it's the sort of thing that, like, in the Attitude Era in WWE, that carried them, and they just haven't been able to. Truth is their guy. Like, that's their best guy. But uh, Dan Housen came in. I mean, I was skeptical, like everybody. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that dismiss Dan Housen. They call him an indie guy, a backyard guy, even sometimes. And it's just. So when he showed up in AEW, there was a part of me where I was like, oh, God, Tony's just signing everyone again. But he's fucking made it work, man. I mean, he's he's so the difference between comedy in AEW and comedy in WWE is that AEW comedy is coming from guys who created the comedy gimmick themselves, whereas WWE is trying to do comedy with rando wrestlers. And that doesn't work. It never works. And another guy I want to give a shout out to Frank the Clown, who had a quick uh, spot. Julie, when you were there, the money in the bank at the uh, Titan Tower, Frank the Clown had a quick cameo. Uh, Oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and um, same sort of thing, and and it's like uh, he'll show up sometimes out of character uh, in, in the crowd, but like those dudes are good. It's like it's I, I I'm with you. I think it's like if you're tr- it's entertainment. If you're trying to find entertainment, look, there's a, they say in basketball that the reason guys that are you know when defensive players get traded, like guys that are defensive player and the fan base is heartbroken. They're like, oh, they're a blue collar guy. That I can't believe they trade that guy. Danny Ainge one time told somebody, I think it was Scalabrini, Brian Scalabrini, the Celtics. He said, there's a million of those guys. Because there's plenty of people out there that want to learn, that can play defense. It's making the shots that are hard. He's like, you can teach someone who makes baskets how to play better defense. Harder to teach someone how to. And I think that it's sort of like that in sports entertainment. It's that's what you're going to call it, where it's easier, I would say, to take someone with an okay athletic build but great comedic chops and build them up and make them a wonderful athlete. Then it is to take someone who's been a wonderful athlete all their lives and say, all right, go be funny. It's fucking hard to be funny. I've just proven it this whole time. <laughs> well, and, and Dan Housen again, like Cassidy under 200 pounds, uh, not a physically a, impressive guy, but he c- can do just enough in the ring to make all the comedy work. Another person I want to say it's a funny follow-up for people to check out on Twitter. Uh, Kayla Braxton. Yes. From WWE. Mm. She's very funny. She's hilarious on screen with Paul Heyman, but also very funny on Twitter. And Super yes. self-deprecating. Kind of as just a joke. Not afraid. Put, put out like, I want to take over as a Corden's host. And I was like, you know, yeah, I, that's, a, that, that's a screen test I'd, I'd go for. I, I'm just saying, I have a couple friends that listen to this podcast that maybe could make that happen. So, hey, friends, Kayla Braxton uh, from WWE. She's uh, great. Super funny, super quick, and um, not afraid to speak her mind and so good at her job that she, she still has it, <laughs> which in WWE. Yeah, she gets, a, she gets away with a lot because she's unafraid. And she's, she's going to say what she wants to say. I don't think she holds back very much on social media, which is rare for a WWE personality. But she backs it up. She's, she's got the chops. She's really good. Uh, Tom, I know you had a to-do list for, for Tony Khan. Yes. Uh, so we go back to AEW for just a second. So we talked some good things, but you had some feedback as well. So I watched, I watched uh, three hours of Monday Night Raw, and I watched three hours of all of AEW's uh, television programming oh, God last bless you, week. Sir. Uh, there is a, such a thing as too much wrestling. Um, <laughs> but I will say that Watching That's actually AE- the name of uh, Braun Strowman's prom- promotion, I believe. Too much wrestling. I like oh, Braun no. Strowman, and just <laughs> if it, I just want it to be known that I pitched him for a pay-per-view match, and that's how he was in the match because I like him so much. Control your wrestling intake. It was way that's the name of the promotion. For me to say it, and I still said it, and Vince happened to like it, so that was just a joke. I like Braun Strowman. Well, and and by the way, Braun Braun Strowman, uh, Adam Schur, Titan. Yep is now trying to set up a company. Him and EC3 are putting together a company and oh, shout out to anybody too. who is willing to help other wrestlers. Anybody trying to start a business to control help your people in their business. Yeah, that's the name of the company. Great. So, so, so AEW. All right. So watching AEW programming after watching WWE was kind of like like stepping, you know, like Dorothy being in black and white and then stepping into Technicolor a little bit wow. because 
AEW, and I've had problems with the programming. And again, I'm a lapsed AEW viewer. I was an early adopter of it and fell off for a while. And now I'm getting back into it. It's been really fun. But the problems that they're having are kind of recurring problems that like the first year they were on the air, they really were just throwing spaghetti to see what would stick on the wall. And that was working for them because it was so unique and so different from wrestling program. They also had a way smaller roster, so they had to make do with what they had. And it was compelling. And then when the roster got bloated, it kind of slowed down. And I think they're finding a little more of a sweet spot now, but there's a couple of things that they keep doing that they got to stop. The first is uh, Tony's to-do list, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, First on that list, factions dilute characters split up these factions. There was an era in WWE in the late 90s where everyone was in a faction. There was was like nightmare. there, There was like 50 wrestlers and... 10 of them each had, they were all (laughs) broken up into five factions. It was dumb. It didn't work and it it never works. And everybody doesn't need to be in a faction. Like I love orange Cassidy and I like the best friends. I don't think he necessarily needs to be in there. You're taking what could be three or four great characters and just lumping them into one thing. Well, and they keep debuting people and then slamming them into factions. And so like a guy like Malachi black, who came in with a huge ovation and huge it was missed a big debut in WWE, by the way. Yeah, missed opportunity there, but also Great kind superstar. of a missed opportunity in AEW because he mm. started out this House of Black faction that it's it's him and Brody King now, but it's like, again, it's dilution of these characters. Not everyone needs to be in a faction. The Jericho Appreciation Society is way too bloated and big. Nobody in there really needs to be in there. It's just split these people up and let them make do on their own. Um, Paul the really pushed list. for Alistair when I was there. It was yes. Paul and Drew were two huge pushes. He's compelling. He's creepy. Like there's something about him that is very watchable. Heyman and had, um, I'll just say, I, I you know, uh, he had very, Paul had very big plans for Alistair Black. Yeah. At a WWE. That's very, what I remember big. too. As big well, he as also had big that- plans for Cedric Alexander. Well, that was Cedric's own doing. I'll tell you what happened. I think I've said this before. Cedric is supposed to run down the run down the ramp into the ring to go against AJ Styles when he was down after the stunner. And instead, Cedric came out, kind of lollygagged it, as Vince put it. And, you know, I watched it and I didn't see much lollygag, but that's what happened with Cedric Alexander. Well, I do. I like Cedric and I go, like you, Alistair Black. You go running down the ramp like lightning and instead he kind of jogged down the ramp. That's what happened. Hmm. Was that while you were there, John? Madison, yeah, I, was, I was at the show. It was Madison Square Garden. It's backstage. But and, remember, uh, I was talking. T- it was myself and our uh, fucking. I don't care. I'm going to say his name. It's our friend Chad, and mm-hmm. uh, we were talking to. He was introducing me to Steve Austin, and uh, who I'd met before in late night. But it was you know I never met him when he was covered in beer in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so it was really cool childhood like bucket list moment. And uh, then we heard Vince in the background. Steve was like, "I better get out of here because we could hear Vince going fucking ape shit about something." And, and was, gorilla. Yeah, because Cedric didn't. He just said, when your music hits, you sprint down to the ring because AJ was selling the stunner. And then oh. when Cedric came out and did the like, like the thing across the ramp, did like the shuffle, mm. AJ's not an idiot. So he looked up and said, Well, fuck, I'm not going to sell for a thousand years, wait for you to get down. So it ruined the whole. Because mm. it was supposed to be the plausibility of Cedric defeating AJ was that AJ was still selling. Cedric's running in like money in the bank style. Yeah. Okay. And forgot. I mean, like, or I think he did just forget. Like he wasn't saying "fuck you." It was, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. People fuck up. I'm and, so jealous. Um, you got to do a show at MSG, dude. It was uh, I for Shoot, personal dude. reasons. Fuck. I'll I'll tell you right now. It was the it was two days after uh, it was decided I'd be getting divorced, oh, I'm sorry, and um, it was a really tough time personally, but also in a weird way. One of the it was a it was a cool day. I really needed. And yeah. it was really awesome to be there and uh, saw some old friends from the comedy world who came backstage and got to have lunch with Bruce Pritchard and Pat Patterson. And then uh, Kurt Angle came over at the end. At MSG? Just, oh, at MSG. And, uh, but, I, but that's what happened with Cedric Alexander was he didn't run as fast as he could got it. when Vince had just told him to run in Madison Square Garden. So bing, bang, boom, Cardinal sent. I gotta go watch jealous that clip of again. We were, to stop, angle, we were told to stop pitching anything for Cedric right after that. Yep. Good and, AEW and segment, why, guys. And then it was anything you ever said. 
What's that? <laughs> Good AEW segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue okay. with your to-do no, list. No, well, let's, with the, the, oh, this yeah. Is, this shoot. Is, we were out of to-do. This is for all of us. <laughs> Does you think that this is what, is what happens to Tony Khan? He's in a room and then all of a sudden all of this. Yes, anyways, I do, yes, actually. Keep, yes. Yeah. Jesus. But I'm not Tony, I'm not Tony Khan in this Tony instance. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Tony. Poor right. Tony Khan. More, yeah, tell more us Tony, what he should be doing. No factions. More, That's more where we are. No factions. Cheap heat isn't good heat. Uh, there's been a lot of cheap heat on AEW, and uh, there was so Christian, who's Christian Cage in AEW. He doesn't need cheap heat. Just he can work his style without having to say that you know he's running somebody down because their father died. Uh, so just define cheap too much, heat for for the audience. For so us. cheap heat. When you get heat on somebody, it means you've done something dastardly to the baby face and you're awful and people want to see you get your comeuppance because you've done something horrible. Cheap heat is you go after something real in someone's life that doesn't seem okay. And in well, this case, on the city that you're I've in, heard the cheapest heat is, is yeah, that calling out yeah. the city. That's yeah. The running down the, the city sports Michigan. teams. Mm-hmm. Edge was doing yeah. a lot of that where it's, I was like, edge, what are you doing? Sorry. AEW. We're staying focused. AEW. Go well, time. There's okay. connective tissue. Cause we're talking about Christian. Yes, yeah. there is uh, a lack. So chaos is fun. Uh, it's fun to watch sometimes, <laughs> but a lack of direction feels chaotic in a bad way. Uh, especially Dynamite, um, less so on Rampage. Rampage is a very focused, like one-hour action-packed show, and Dynamite is too loose sometimes. We've said it before, we'll say it again, and it's not necessarily us auditioning for jobs. They need writers. Uh, Tony Khan cannot be the writer, the showrunner, the owner. I sent some ideas to Tony Khan. How sad it would be to get to write jokes with Dan Housen. That would be terrible. Actually, that's true. I'm sorry. We're like talking over Tommy. With everything that's going on, though, guys, for real, isn't this a golden opportunity for AEW to like gain some ground? And so that you can't do that without compelling storytelling. And they don't. They have it with their top people, but it's almost driven exclusively by the talent. And they need some direction. And that way, you can get over your younger talent or your talent that maybe aren't as good on the mic you can work with everybody if you have stories for everybody that was that was when the attitude era was at its finest it was yeah. when they had mid card guys and low card guys in feuds that mattered and, and by the way someone that. who gets shit on a lot is Vince Russo but something that everyone admits whether they like him or not he always had something for everybody he got everyone involved he, fi- yep. he and, it and whether it was silly amazing. or not in in retrospect it wasn't yeah. always mm, didn't age the greatest a lot of the times pretty much all of it but in the moment, he had something for everybody, and they all made a lot of money, and well, they saved and, the company. And last on the to-do list, we were talking about it earlier, spread out your high spots, or you're going to deaden your main event. You can't, AEW just has a tremendous level of athleticism, and the high spots that are pay-per-view worthy every single episode of all their TV, but if you do too many of them, you will deaden your main event, because the audience just gets gassed, they get tired. So you have to make the high spots matter more. And they're, they are actually getting better. Like there were spot fests early on that it was just like every, ma- every match, every other move was a huge move and every other move was a finisher that someone kicked out of. They're not doing that anymore, which is great, but they're still doing a lot of high spots. And a lot of guys are hurt right now. There's a lot of talent that's hurt right now because of the volume of high spots that they're doing. So next week is... Uh, AEW is giving you guys free pay-per-views, okay? Next week is Fighter Fest, which those are pay-per-view worthy shows on their regular television spots. So TNT and TBS will be airing Fighter Fest next week and Orange Cassidy Fighter to- Fest, not Fire Fest. F Y T E R. No one's going to tell you Fest. what he would do to get a certain amount of money. Yeah, don't go <laughs> don't go a- there. No one's there. Um the uh Orange Cassidy has a tall order. <laughs> He's got Wardlow next week, which oh, I'm shit. concerned about because that's two super hot characters with no story going in. But I'm intrigued and I want it to huge. Cassidy. Well, it's two huge clashes of style. So we'll see that. But yeah. uh, um, by the way, shout out. We never we haven't mentioned her on the show yet. And I'd like to uh, the match between um, Tony Nice and Orange Cassidy was refereed by Aubrey Edwards who I think is the best referee in the business. Did she you gets know Aubrey Edwards right. 
in addition to being a wonderful referee, is a brilliant video game designer. I did not know that. She is. She's, she's like, uh, I want her to help me create my time travel basketball game. We can, like, go back and, like, you know, the lottery. Like, I, like, like, I would, like, come up with sports games. You can go back in different eras, play things well, she, out differently. She is, a, she is a referee that gets noticed in a good way. Because she's she's not distracting, but she's good well, at all the little things. And man, is she athletic! You know what's interesting is you know who's always. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that, Tom, because I like Aubrey a lot too. But some of the what do they call them? Old headed ego trips or old headed ego? What's what was the term? Old head ego podcasters. Yeah, there you go. It was it was, was it Punk or Jericho that said that or punk. both? Punk. Okay. Yeah, because they shit all, all over uh, uh, Aubrey a lot, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. That that's the first referee in wrestling history that you can't stand. Uh, anyway, my quick note for Tony would be, I know Tony's a huge late night fan. And uh, we actually have a, a friend in common, someone I share an office with and uh, ran the monologue with uh, at, at the Fallon show. Wait, really? And, uh, I didn't real? know that. Yeah, they're good buds. And, oh my God. Um, so I would say, but my question is, you got to find, find a presence. You got to find a talk show presence. You got to find yeah. a place to get these interesting characters, your interesting character. We all know, like, even Chris Jericho, if you had Chris Jericho, um, you know, or, or CM Punk, get CM Punk, have him go on Colbert. Uh, oh, yes. You know, get, get Dan Housen. I'll tell you right now, you got a year left. Go for it. Call him up today. Get Dan Housen on James Corden. Can you imagine Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy in, like, the panel interview thing? Say it's, like, those two guys, and then, like, Ted Danson, and then, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh, Wanda Sykes or something, and then Corden and the that'd be fucking hilarious. Like you got to do something like that because you have these colorful characters. You got to move on past just the wrestling crowd. You got to move on. You love your diehards. I know you do. You're loyal to them. They appreciate it. But man, you got some shit that could go broad. And I think we just named a bunch of people. And then Thunder yeah. Rosa. Also, I'll throw her mm. in there too. Oh my god, we want to talk to her. Thunder. Please and, uh, talk to Britt us. Baker. Like there's all sorts of people that, that should be all over the place, but you got to go broad. You get, you mean, I understand that you're trying to serve your local fan base, but man, you, as Tom said, you got a fucking opportunity right now. Yep. Pull ahead. They're um, so close. AEW is so close and they have and they the roster. On, they just need a little more production. They're on every Wednesday night at eight on TBS. That is dynamite. Then rampage Friday nights at 10 on TNT. And folks, I think that does it for this week. Oh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, please subscribe and review and give us a five-star rating, maybe, if you liked it. And I want to say congrats to uh, one of New Hampshire's uh, favorite vacationers, Mick Foley, on his new Legends deal with WWE and to Dewey Foley on a great run in creative at WWE and NXT. And during the summer of Cassidy, enjoy yourselves and see ya, buckleheads.